Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, Goodyear, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Hello, everybody. My name is Skylar, and this is my life story. I was born to a teenage mother out of wedlock, and I was never really close to my father due to his drug and alcohol problem and abuse to my mother. I spent the majority of my youth fighting, moving to different poor parts of town, switching schools and different stepfathers. I joined the military to make myself into a better man, and eight months into my enlistment, I was sent to Afghanistan for eight and a half months. During this time, I smoked a pack a day, I cussed like a sailor, and I chewed tobacco and fought my girlfriend at the time, almost every night on Skype. After my deployment, I suffered from unrelenting anger, paranoia, and sadness that I could not shake off. I felt so hollow inside that I nearly cried every night. One day in my barracks room, I found myself sobbing uncontrollably on my bathroom floor and crying out to God to please take my pain away, and that if he did, I would give him my life. The next few days after, I reached out to the church and they helped me on my path to find Christ in his redeeming love. They explained how I have a bigger plan for my life and that God would use my hurt and my past to reach out to people and so win for him. Since my coming to Christ about two years ago, I went through enormous trials, including marriage, a serious illness that left me hospitalized twice due to a parasite that I picked up over in Afghanistan, my diagnosis of PTSD, and my removal from the Air Force due to it. Through all these trials, he helped me get rid of my smoking, my chewing, and, a, and my empty feeling inside. I now have purpose and vision to help others come to Christ and never regret that lowest moment in my life because it showed me the path to the living fountain and I am, I am eternally satisfied. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, brother. It's awesome. That's it. That's it. There you go. Um, we told you we were going to do this and we weren't lying. <laughs> we told you that we wanted your life stories. And so if you have in your program that little card where you can go and, and you go online and you can fill out just three simple things, right? What was your life like before Jesus found you? What were the circumstances behind it? How did, you, how did, how did, how did God find you? What was that circumstances? And what has your life been like since? And what I love about what Skylar said wasn't like, you know, I found Jesus and then everything was perfect from that point on. He goes, no, I still had this issue and that issue and that issue. But you know what? God got me through all this stuff. And, he, and I, I'm more excited than I've ever been about how he's going to use me. And uh, that's real stuff right there, you guys. That's the real thing. And so what I want to challenge you guys to do is to continue writing your life stories. Continue sending them in. And, uh, and we, we will be able to share them, not all of them, but we'll be able to share some of them and, and have, them up, have you guys come up on stage and just talk, because it's just everyday real people. That's what we are, that's who we are. And so if we're going to be able to take the message viral, we're going to have to be able to be people who understand how to share with people the hope that we found in our own lives, right? So that's what we got to do, and that's what I'm excited about. Um, Boy, I hope you're doing well. I'm, I'm fired up. I want to take another step in this journey that we've been on in our series and want to teach you today how to share the gospel. 
Now, I want to tell you, first of all, as we start, this, if you're here, and we, I, if, if you're a first-time guest with us, this may seem a little bit like inside baseball to you because you may be here, you're going, I'm not even a Christian. That's totally okay. You totally belong here. That's totally cool. But what we're doing is something a little bit different tonight where we want to be able to, to teach the, those of us at Compass Church who have found a relationship with Jesus and found Christ, we want to teach you how to more effectively be someone who can communicate that to other people in a way that can really be transformational. And you may be wondering, well, why is that so important? And, you know, does it feel kind of weird, like, is this some kind of sales meeting, you know, where we're going to teach you how to get another customer? And it's nothing like that at all. In fact, if you can imagine or think about, about it for a minute, what is the thing that you are most passionate about in your life? The thing that you love doing more than anything else. And chances are, when you know what that thing is in your head, you naturally not manipulatively, but you just naturally want other people to know about it too, right? You naturally want other people to know about the, the, the thing that you found that's brought you so much joy and satisfaction, whether it's a sport or a hobby or some way to deal with your finances or some kind of, you know, medicine you found or whatever it might be that has really made a true impact in your life. You're like, this is so cool. I want everyone to be able to know. Author and venture capitalist Guy Kawasaki was at one time known as Apple Computer's chief evangelist. That's what he called himself. He was the chief evangelist for Apple. And he said his title or his job description was to maintain and rejuvenate the Macintosh cult. He wanted everybody to know how great the Mac product is. And so he literally called himself that evangelist. There are other people like this. There's, a, there's an old joke that says, how, well, not an old joke, but there's a joke going around saying, how do you know if you're talking to a CrossFitter or a vegan? They'll tell you, right? Right? You just know, right? And I, not that I know anybody that does CrossFit or not that I've ever talked about it before ever from up front, right? You wouldn't see that there's any enthusiasm about that. Same thing with vegans, right? How do you know? Because they'll tell you. And it's like, stop, stop judging me when I, when I drink milk or eat a steak, you know? Stop giving me that evil eye. But why? It's not because they hate your guts. It's just because they're just so excited about eating celery, they just can't help themselves, you know? Eat raw vegetables. It's amazing. But that's the way these people are. I remember my father-in-law, you know, he bless his heart. He passed away a few years ago. And he was the hardest guy in the world to talk to because he just, I, I'm a talkative guy. And I would just, he just kind of sit there, you know, and I try to, you know, um, you know, you ever see the movie Son-in-Law way back when where he goes, Paulie Shore goes out to the old guy. He's like, can I please whittle wood with you? You know, he was that kind of a guy where he, some of you guys are going, what's that reference? But, um, but he, but where I, I try to talk to him and I couldn't get anything out of him until one thing, he was a huge NRA guy and he owned like, like 25 guns, and I said, I would go, hey, man, I, I'd say, uh, you know, I heard that they're going to um, they're, they're, they're gonna pass some kind of gun control law, and he would just flip out, and he'd go, that's the worst thing in the world. Two million armed invasions a year are prevented because of people owning guns, and he could just go on and on for like 15 minutes, but I could figure out something, there was something in there, even for a guy that was just wouldn't say anything, well, I could find that one thing, and he would just go off because he was passionate about it. 
And so that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. So when we talk about sharing the gospel, what we believe, we don't merely do it because we just want to get more people to, 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 more converts or more people to believe, but we actually believe with all of our hearts that what, we're, what we are saying and, and subscribing to is, tr- is true, excuse me, and can have a huge impact on people's lives. And even more so than, than the vegan or, the, or anybody else because of, the, because of the eternal implications. I'll never forget this video. We showed it in church a few times. Of Penn, uh, Penn Gillette, the, the, uh, the comedian for, of the act of Penn and Teller. who has been around forever. And everybody knows if you know anything about him, he is a serious hardcore atheist. And yet we showed a video of him one time where he's kind of doing a little, you know, selfie kind of video. And he says to all the other atheists out there, he says, why would, would you guys get so angry about a Christian who wants to try to tell you about his faith and proselytize to you when they actually believe that if you don't believe what, their message, that it's going to have eternal consequences for you? If there was a car about ready to go off a cliff and you, you could do something to stop it, why wouldn't you do that? So he's saying, I'm not saying I believe in this Christianity stuff, but he said this. He said, how much do you have to hate a person? To believe that, that your way can bring life and hope and not tell them. This is coming from an atheist. Just, so, so you other fellow atheists, let's back off these people that really want to help us. So what we want to do today is teach you the most effective strategy to share the gospel with the people in your life. To be an evangelist, to help other people see what you see. And so if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. If you don't, we're going to have the words on the screen so you can follow along. Um, But this is right before Jesus' ascension into heaven. Right before he's about to go away and, and leave the whole work to be done to his disciples. And he gives his disciples this mission at the very end. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, it's interesting that word disciple. Do you know what that word disciple means? It really just means follower. In fact, it comes from the Greek word mathetes, which actually um, is where we get our word mathematics from. So when you have, you know, I was helping my, my daughter with her math homework the other night, and I hate math. You know why? Because you have to get exactly the right answer, you know? Like, you can't just fudge it, you know? Like, when you write an essay, it's easy. You just can, like, flowery adjectives and stuff and just make up a bunch of stuff. That's how I got through English throughout my whole life, you know? I mean, until I started preaching sermons, then I was making sure I was accurate. But, but you know what I mean, right? I mean, so, but with math, it's like, if it's the wrong answer by a little bit, it's wrong. And the whole idea is, is this, like, Make a follower, make someone who's going to look like Jesus, someone who's going to follow Jesus, someone who's going to ha- clearly be able to understand the path to life. And so that's what a disciple is, it's a follower, someone who does what, does what the leader does. And so we're called to, to, to make, to help people. In fact, what is our byline at Compass Church? You on our website, says Compass Church what? Helping people find their way to God. That's all we're trying to do. We're not trying to do anything else but help other people find the same thing that we ourselves found. Find the same thing that Skylar found, who just two years ago found Jesus as his Savior and his Lord. So what's the best way to do that? Well, I'm just going to give you four steps. Um, 
that, that I think are just really important to be able to help you think about how, how, you're, how you as a Christian are, are communicating the love of Jesus to others. And if you're not a Christian here, this is a great opportunity for you just to observe and get, an, and get a chance to see that like this is what Christians are trying to do. This is, is kind of what we're after, at least, when it comes to being people that live in the world and are, and are effective in, in how we live our lives. So the number one thing is this, and it's really simple. It's just be real. Be real. If you're a real person, that means you need to show other people that as a Christian, you're not above the struggles and difficulties that everybody else has. The only difference is you found a solution in your life that, that makes sense. You found a solution. It's not like you're above anybody else. You have the same issues, the same struggles, the same trials, the same pain, the same habits of anybody else, but you found something that has brought you incredible joy and freedom. But you want to be somebody who's real. Sometimes as Christians, we can easily slip into this mode where we have to present this persona as though we're perfect because we're worried about being called hypocrites, right? If you're worried about being called a hypocrite, that means like you say one thing and do another. So you're always worried about doing something wrong in the presence of somebody else. But rather than that, I think it's more important just to be an authentic person. Yeah, try to live your life in a godly way, but someone who's not trying to, to hide who you really are so you can relate to the people around you. You know, um... If you've been around at Compass Church for a while, you know there's two occasions on which I wear a suit. On Christmas Eve and on Easter. Those are the only times. And every time I wear a suit, and some of you guys are smiling like, yeah, I know, I know. And every time I wear a suit, I always have to put up with the abuse from you people. Okay? Because you always sit there and go, oh, who are you? I never met you before. Right? Is that, oh, is that new? I didn't even know you owned a suit. That's crazy, right? So I have to put up with all of your garbage. Every time on Christmas Eve and New Year's when I wear a suit. You go, well, why don't you wear a suit every week? Well, the truth of the matter is I wear what I wear because I want people walking in the door to feel like they can relate to the person on stage. Because so often when it comes to a pastor, people go, well, that guy, he's up on stage. I, he wouldn't understand me. I, I couldn't relate. He's a different kind of a guy. I don't dress like that. I don't, I don't dress like that on Sunday, on the weekends. So I wear what I wear in part to be able to just come off like a real authentic person who's just like everybody else. And the reason I wear the suits on those holidays is because that's really the only time around here, maybe in other parts of the country is different, but around here it's the only time where even a lot of our guests will show up dressed up really nice as well because they just naturally used to doing that. So I take the liberty of doing that. I mean, it still doesn't stop some people from coming in with, you know, a Spongebob t-shirt and, you know, jorts or whatever on Easter. <laughs> you know, that's fine. But hey, that's what, because I want to be somebody who can relate to other people. Now, no one did this better or understood this concept better than the Apostle Paul. So look what he says in, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led to sin and I do not inwardly burn? In other words, like, like, do you guys think that I don't struggle with, with sin? I don't struggle with, with like lust and pride and everything else? Man, I struggle just like everybody else. I don't have this thing conquered totally in my life, but that's why I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. He also said in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, he said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, listen to this, of whom I am the worst. 
But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. In other words, Jesus made an example out of me of how, how crazy, how far he's willing to go to save someone because I'm like the worst sinner in the world. Now, you might sit there and go, not Paul. He wasn't the worst sinner in the world, but in his mind, he was. And I love, I've always loved that because there is this kind of, you know, I, I'm just going to clear away the veneer and say, man, if there's anyone who's in need of grace, it's me. It's me. And if we're going to, if we're going to um, be people that, that are going to have credibility with other people, then we have to be people who are willing to say, man, I need grace just as much as the next guy, you know? This leads me to the second thing that's really important. Not only do we need, and this is before we say anything to anybody. We have to be real people, number one. And number two, we have to love people. We really have to love people. Again, the Apostle Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians, he says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Did you catch that? So not only, see, the old days, what people used to do is they go and knock on people's doors, you know, open the door and, hi there, do you know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior? No, but I know my steak's getting cold, you know. What do you want, right? And, and, and what, what happened would be, you go to the door, and, and you know, some, there was a time when that was maybe effective, but what happened? There's no relationship there. You know, all you care about is just trying to get me another person you can say you can check up on your list. You don't really care about me as a person. Well, what Paul is saying, he said, look, we, don't really, we, we loved you so much that we didn't just want to tell you about what we believe. We want to share our whole lives with you as well because we care about you. Now, how do you do that? You've got to love people. And part of that means approaching everyone we meet with a sense of compassion and try to think about where they're coming from. You know, my son, um, you can pray for us, he's supposed to get his license in about three weeks to drive, which is a blessing and a curse, right? It's a blessing because, thank God, I don't have to drive this kid around all over the place, and then he can run errands for us because that's going to be wonderful because I'm telling, pulling my hair out. You know, it's just ridiculous. I drive so much. But then the curse is, you know, there's a 16-year-old driving the car. Now, truthfully, he's a great driver. I've driven with him. I mean, I've, I've closed my eyes and prayed and then opened them, and I'm still alive. Um, doing all that stuff. But he's a great driver. But what if, when you're a parent and, and your kid starts driving, you're not worried about your kid, right? You're worried about all the other maniacs out on the road. Everybody knows that. So one of the things I was telling my son, I said, you know, when you're driving, son, you, you can't be thinking about yourself on the road. You have to be looking around and, and always driving defensively because you don't know what the person in the car next to you is dealing with. So when, because when, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to run a red light and broadside somebody. What happens? Something's going crazy in their life. So you don't know. You, you, there could be someone driving down the road who just found out that their husband is having an affair. And they just got the news from somebody who called them on the phone or whatever. They just realized or they just left from finding out. And they're totally distraught. There could be, another, there could be a guy driving down the street who's reading a text from his wife about their son's prognosis they got from the hospital. And he's freaking out. You don't know what's going on in the lives of the people around you. And that could seriously affect how they're driving. But what do we do so often? We just go, what an idiot, man. This person, you know, they shouldn't even have a license, you know. Helen Keller could drive better than this person. Not that I'd ever said that, you know. But, um, but that is kind of funny when you think about it, okay. I'm sorry. I know it's, you know, PC. But that's still funny. Um, 
But anyway, what you get, and we, we, we tend to do this, why? Because we don't for a moment think about, hey, what is going on inside this other person's life that really might be difficult and hurting to them? And, and, and what happens is, because we, we close ourselves in and we're so easily judgmental about other people, rather than saying, hey, there's some hurting people out there. And how can I just be someone who, who can actually um, stop for a minute and try to put myself in their shoes? And it's so simple, but I tell you, that's one of the things I, I hardly ever do. Because I'm like, I, I get I get up in the morning, I got my list of 10 things I got to do, and I'm going for it, or 15 things, and I'm like, just get out of my way. As opposed to, man, God, God's putting people in my midst all the time that are hurting. If I just open my eyes and go, I wonder what's going on in her life. I wonder what's going on in his life. And how can I be there for them? So before I give you a strategy of how to speak to someone, I, I want you to be real. An authentic human being. And if you're if you got this self-protection thing going on, if you're afraid, just when we look at scriptural examples, like I said, the Apostle Paul had no problem going, you know, I've told you guys this story because I talked to people, I talked to one guy, and he's like, he's like, Well, I'm a good person. And I said, That's great. I'm not. Well, I'm not really that good either. I said, no, you said you're a good person. Maybe you don't need Jesus. I do. You know? But I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like I can I can I can be honest about that. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. In other words, you can't get in trouble for doing them. No one's going to go, that person's got so much patience. Chills me. When we start adopting these things in our lives, guys, that's what you do first, okay? So from there... The third step is to act courageously. Because if you're being a real person and you're acting in a loving way towards the people around you, at some point the issue of your faith is going to come up. Because people are going to go like, what's the deal with you? Like, why are you different? Like, why do you not freak out when these things happen? Or, or wh why is there like a joy in you? They should be seeing that in you. So there's several options that you have, and it's illustrated really well in a book by, written by Bill Hybels and Mark Middleberg that's called Becoming a Contagious Christian. You can see it up there on the screen. I'd encourage you to get this book. It's a very, very good book. It's available on Amazon or Kindle. You can read it on Kindle. You can get the paper copy. But they talk about different approaches that people in the Bible have when it comes to sharing their faith. And so, for example, Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, was a very social guy. So in Luke chapter 5, 29, it says, Then Matthew held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. By the way, you know that phrase, have you ever heard that phrase where Jesus says it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick? You know where that came from? That came from the party that Matthew threw for all of his buddies who were tax collectors, basically the worst people in the world. They were con artists. They were like the people that would, if they were alive today, they'd be the ones stealing your identity. Don't you hate those people? So like a bunch of identity thieves and con artists and, and rip, not IRS people, because those people pale in comparison to how these people were seen. Matthew invited these types of people over to hang out with Jesus. And so the Pharisees were coming over going, Jesus, you're hanging out with these scumbag people. What's wrong with you? And Jesus goes, well, it's not the healthy people that need a doctor. It's the people that are sick. That's why I'm spending time with them. So that's where this comes from. But what did Matthew do? He used what you might call the invitational approach. He invited people to come to church. And you should be thinking to yourself, especially if you're not someone who feels like, oh, I can go really explain all this stuff or I'm going to, you know, talk to people a lot. But you just kind of like someone who just wants to be a good friend and, there's, and someone's hurting and someone's searching for something, you just invite them. Say, come to Compass. 
come to come. Maybe one of the reasons you're here tonight is somebody invited you. Because they actually care enough about you to want you to hear and experience what's brought them a lot of joy. So you should always be having people in your life that you're, that, 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 that you're saying, you know what, I would love for this person to come. And to just see what brings me so much joy in my life. The Samaritan woman did the same thing in the book of John, the woman at the well. You guys, have you ever heard this story where um, Jesus is talking to this woman he should not have been talking to, culturally speaking. It was very taboo what he did. And he basically, her life was changed with this encounter with Jesus. She runs back to the town and she says, you guys need to come and meet this guy. You need to come and meet this guy. Come on, come on. Just come and see Jesus. That's the one approach. But there are other approaches as well. Peter had what you might call a confrontational approach, meaning he was somebody whose personality, was will, he was willing to get in people's faces and say, I'm just going to tell you straight up what's going on. So in Acts chapter 2, when Christianity is spreading like wildfire around the area of Jerusalem, all kinds of Jewish people were getting saved and coming to Christ. And, and, and Peter, of course, being a Jew as well, and the people are going, what's going on with this? And Peter stands up one day and says, well, let me tell you what's going on with this. There's all these crowds of people. Like, what's going on with all these people getting, getting uh, saved, finding Jesus Christ, their lives are turning around? And Peter says, well, let me tell you how it is. For thousands and thousands of years, the prophets have been telling you, the Jewish people, that a Messiah is going to come. And they're saying, you know, look out for him. Here's all these signs. He's going to be, you know, born of a virgin and all this stuff. And, and he's going um, to be sacrificed and everything else. And, and he gives them this whole history. So it'll be really clear that when this, the Messiah would come, that you would know, right? And guess what? He came and you guys killed him. Nice job, right? And they're like, oh, don't. What do we do? What are we supposed to do now? And Peter says, just repent. Just say, you know what? Just, just re- turn your life around and say, you know what? I believe. And, and, and surrender your life to the one who gives you grace so you, you're not following all these laws anymore. And thousands of people, he said their hearts were convicted. Why? Because Peter wasn't afraid to just come out and say it. Now, not everybody's like that, but some of you are. And if you have a relationship where you can just go, man, I just got to be honest with you. You're wrecking your life. You're wrecking your life. I love you, but, you, but you're missing it. That is an approach that is biblical and, and works. Another way is what you might call the intellectual approach. This is the Apostle Paul displayed this approach in several ways. In the book of Acts chapter 17, it says, So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. So he was engaging people in intellectual conversations. This would be the whole area of apologetics. Okay, where you're saying, where you're trying to help people. So when people come, they go, well, how do you know God exists? And if there's a God, why is there so much evil in the world? And, and uh, you know, how come I can't see God? And can God make a rock that he can't lift? And, you know, how did Jesus rise from the dead? What's that? You know, that's crazy. And, and so you would be a person that would love to get into those arguments. Here's the problem with that approach sometimes, though. It's very easy to win an argument and then lose the relationship because you, you won the argument, but you made the person mad because you came off with a demeanor that was, you know, I'm just trying to win. I'm not trying to actually, like, two people both trying to look at truth together. So I, I've, used that, I've used that a lot. Like, I feel like I can, I can debate, like, atheists and whatnot, like, as the day is long. But a lot of times that's not really, that doesn't always work. Um, a lot of times when I've, 
when I've done a lot of apologetic stuff, I, meant, I end up making a lot of Christians happy because they go, oh, I, I can see this more. But a lot of times, it's the person, they don't really, they're not really looking for an answer to that question. They just want to know, does someone love me? Does someone care about me? And, and they want to see more of that side of things. And it's, so that's kind of a difficult thing. But then finally, there's the testimonial approach. And this is what you heard earlier with Skylar. And it's reflected in the story that Dave talked about um, of, the, of the blind man who gets healed. And, and, and the Pharisees are like, what happened to you? And he goes, I don't know. All I know is I used to be blind and now I can see. And that's great. And that's probably something that a lot of you guys, and, and as you continue, as you're real, you're loving people, and people are going, well, what's the deal with you? Who's this Jesus guy? You know, what, what, what difference does it make? You say, well, I can tell you the difference it made in my life. This is where I was and this is where I am. And I mean, you know, you don't have to believe it. You can call me all these names, but all I know is I was blind, and now I see. You can't argue with that, right? It's that kind of a thing. And so all of these approaches are things that can help you in terms of doing what you, what you want to do, which is to help those in your life find what you've found. And the last thing I'd say is you've got to be clear. There are several really easy ways to share the gospel story. And, and uh, by the way, there's several really complicated ways as well. And I, I, for me, you know what I tend to do? Because um, sometimes you can like, you, you, you know, you love something and you can, you can overcomplicate stuff so much. And you go, well, I want to talk about this and this and this. And sometimes you just, you just got to break it down really simple. So one of, my, um, one of my favorite things I like to say, I don't say it all the time, but is what you call the bridge illustration. So I j- actually drew a picture of it so you can see. Um, and I'm not a very good artist, but it's, it starts off. It gets better, don't worry. Um, it starts off with us and God. So, you know, God created us. He created us to, to, to experience this beautiful world and to love him and, and to experience life as, as, um, as his children and everything else. But then something bad happened. We sinned. We fell. We basically told God to, to pound sand, to go away. And that brings a, a a divide between us and God, you can see in the next picture. So we are separated from God, which is why we have all this angst, which is why we, we go, man, I just feel like, like you know, I, there's so much more that life should be, but I don't get it, and I'm trying this, and it's not working. That's, that's because there's a separation between us and God. That's the story. And what happens is, no matter how much we try to work our way to God, it doesn't work. That's the third picture. So you see, no matter what, no matter how much you try, you could have the the, the furthest, um, the greatest Olympic long jumper in the world, and you could take him to the edge of the Pacific Ocean and tell him to jump to China, and he's not going to be able to do it, even though he's the best in the world, because he can't do it, and that's the same thing with anyone who says, well, I'm going to try to work my way to God. You can't do that. You can't work. Your good deeds won't outweigh your bad deeds. Come on. You can't do that. It's ridiculous. All it's going to do is just do whatever it does. Everybody else is going to lead to death, and death is that separation from God. Okay, so what's the solution? Well, this, thankfully, God has provided the solution in Jesus, and that's for the cross. So you can see that's the next thing. So, that, so Jesus is the one that bridges the gap between us and God. And he did it by paying the penalty for our sins, by, by taking our sins upon himself, by, by forgiving us, and also showing us the love of God, showing us how to live, showing us how important um, we are to God. And when, we, when he does that, he wipes out death. He, he kills death. Death is dead because of Jesus. We still die, we'll still lose this body, but ultimately we will not die forever. We will live again with with Jesus, and we will live again with God, and we will live as we were created to live. So that's really simple. And so then then the the last picture is just my ability to be able to get to God through Jesus. That's it. And that's a really simple illustration.
But you can do that with people. It's very simple. You can just say, hey, this, this is, this is kind of how it works. Now, you may have to answer a lot of other questions. That's one way. But another thing to do is, is what you might call do versus done. Do versus done. In other words, religion, everyone goes, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a religious person. Um, or I'm, I don't want to be a religious person. Like, I get it. I don't be a religious person either. I mean, I religiously brush my teeth. That's probably a good thing. But I'm not really into religion. Because religion is all about doing. You got to do this. You got to do that. You gotta, and it's exhausting. And it beats the heck out of you, right? Nobody wants to do all these things. I always feel like you're behind the eight ball. And you're a bunch of, around a bunch of people that are legalists and they're no fun. Because you did this and you didn't do this. And, you, and people think that's what religion is. No, no, no that's not us. Our, our, it's not do, it's done. What's done? Jesus has died on the cross for us. It's already done. It's already happened in the past. It's done, baby. So all we do is we live a life, we live lives of gratitude, not groveling. You know, groveling is when you're like, you crawl on the ground, oh, I'm so terrible, I'm so sorry. And that's what a lot of people do, whether they're Christians or not. They'll walk around beating themselves up about things that happened in the past. They can't change. They regret all these things. They beat themselves up. It's like, excuse me, time out. God wants to restore your life 100%. He wants to bring you from death to life. He wants to give you everything. But you don't have to work for it. It's already been done for you. All you got to do is take it like we talked about on Christmas Eve. You know, be like a kid at Christmas. Take the presents he wants to give you. He wants to give them to you. Just take them. The other one, the other um, method you could, or way of looking at it is what you might call, um, uh, what's called God, us, Christ, you. That's just four, you can, you know, God, us, Christ, you. What does that mean? You talk about God. Who is God? God is holy. God is, God is the one who's created everything, you know. Um, and, and we basically, it's kind of like the bridge illustration. We, we wrecked things with our sin and everything else, but thankfully there is Jesus. And now the ball's in your court. What are you going to do? God, us, Christ, you. That's just there's different method, the methods and things that you can do. And it can go on and on and on. What's the point of all of this? Well, a couple of things. First, if you're a Christian, you need to dedicate yourself to being someone who authentically can be attractive to those around you by how you live your life. Where people around you can go, and, and, that, and it doesn't mean that you go around going, oh, I need to tell you, I need to tell you, you know, because that's often unattractive. You need to be a person who's attractive. By, by, by when, you go to, when you go to work, you work hard, you give it all you got, you show up on time, and you leave a couple minutes late just to make sure everything gets done. You know? You do what you say you're going to do so your boss can trust you. Why? Because you, you want to show love to the people around you. Okay? You work hard. You do things so that you, so that what's been done for you just ekes out of your life to other people. So it's natural. And then when people, when you begin to engage people, you can tell them, this is what's going on in my life. This is, this is what I've found. Okay? And why is this so important? Because, you know, at the end of the day, it is eternity, guys. And it's eternity, and, it's, and at the same time, it's, it's, it's life today. It's life today. And it's a heartbreaking thing. When there are people who are walking on this planet and their hearts are broken so much because they don't have, they haven't yet received the grace of Jesus and they don't know how much God loves them. So that's the first thing I'd like, you know, we talk about what, why are we doing this? Because every single person in here, the, it should be part of your job description as a Christian in your life to say how 
how am I making sure that the people around me, at least, at least if nothing else, know what I believe and see a change in my life? Because you see all these, I mean, we're, we did it okay tonight, but there's still empty seats here. And I'm not talking about filling up. I mean, look, however the church, big the church gets, whatever. That's, that's not, but, but there's, there's still people who need to know about God's love. And the finally, the thing I'd say is this. If you're here tonight, and you're hearing this, and you're like, well, I don't, I'm never, I've never really been a Christian, but, you know, you, when you say it like this, I guess that makes sense. Then I would encourage you. Be like Skylar. Get to the end of yourself. Cry out to God and just say, God, I, I, I need this. I, I need this. I need you. I don't know where it's all going to take me, but I got nothing else. And I want to believe that you love me. I want to believe that you rescued me. And I'm tired of trying to live down all the mistakes that I've made. I want a clean slate. I want a do-over. I want a mulligan. I want to know that I can be forgiven and restored. This is January 2017, and every January... We try to hit it hard about what we're here to do and why we existed as, as a church. We're not here to pay a mortgage. We're not here to keep up some old tradition. We're here to be able to kick a dent in this town and let people know about the great love of God. That's our job. Would you bow in prayer with me real quick? With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, just between you and God for a moment if you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I need that. I need to be able to surrender my life to Jesus right where you are just say God today in this service right now where I'm sitting in this church I surrender my life to you I turn it over to you it belongs to you I believe that you love me I believe that I don't have to do anything it's already been done that you yourself have paid for my sins, that you've washed me clean. And I have no reason to have guilt or shame, but I can walk free knowing that the God of the universe cares about me. Today, I just want to tell you, I won't be perfect, but I want to follow you. I want my life to belong to you. I want to join the ranks of the Christ followers. For the rest of us, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but quite frankly, you've just been kind of self-absorbed. Maybe right where you are, you need to say, God, man, open my eyes. Help me. Help me to be a person that's, that's loving people authentically. People that, that you created. And that their lives matter. Help, help me to to be someone who can, uh, when the time comes, in the appropriate moment, say what needs to be said. Share my testimony. Share my story. Share what I believe to be true about the gospel, about the good news. Not the bad news, but the good news. And God, may people, this is my biggest prayer, may people know you because of
that you would call me to that type of incredibly powerful service. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.